0: Well, hey everybody, it's so great to see you. I'm usually not with you guys at midweek on Wednesday. Our campus ministry does our own uh worship services in Montclair every Wednesday and we pray for you guys. <laughs> um but they're they're off doing their own thing. Manny Agbonaya uh, from our campus ministry is preaching and we got John doing the welcome and all that different stuff. But uh it's it really is an honor to be here. When Phil asked me if I wanted to to speak for the church on Wednesday, it was uh, it was immediately such an honor. And so I'm, I'm very excited to be with you guys this evening. Uh, I am especially privileged because as my wife is pregnant and she's due March 30th, I got my, my grandmothers-to-be on the call as well. My mom and my mother-in-law are both here. Hey, mom. <laughs> it's good to see you. Um, but man, I, I'm just so grateful for this church. We are a very loving group. This is your first time here to join our church on, on uh, you know, whether it's your first experience, somebody invited you out or whatever that might be. We are a deeply loving group and you can't really experience that through Zoom, but uh, we send the love. Come join us on Sunday. That's, that's really where it's all at. But I'm excited for tonight. I, I wanted to share just a, a couple of thoughts as we're going into holidays. It is a very exciting, uh, sometimes challenging, uh, sometimes emotional time that we're navigating through here. And uh, I want to just share a couple of thoughts of, what, what can help us as we're following Jesus to really live like him? And when I when I think about Jesus coming to earth and summing up Christianity as we're, this is what we're trying to do, uh, you can't uh, avoid talking about where Jesus says, they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love. Just before this, I was afraid that I was going to miss our midweek. We were in a Bible study with a young man named Eric at Montclair State who's counting the cost. And it's just so he's hopefully to get baptized this week. But it's just so cool in all that we've been talking about, just hearing him navigate his faith and the, the decisions that he needs to make. And uh, what, what really has been amazing is seeing his transformation, the way that he's learned to not only love uh, his immediate family, but loving others on campus. And young Eric has been bringing out his friends to Bible studies and we're saying the Bible with his friend, Michael. And it's uh, it's been a really encouraging time. but. To keep it simple, if you're going to try and navigate anywhere, you don't know what to study out in your quiet times, you don't know what to to look at in your walk with God, Uh, it really does come back to love. And I'm not going to do a lesson on love because you've heard plenty of those before, but I want to talk about one of the active ingredients that is necessary if you're going to live a life of love, especially through the holidays. And so the title of my lesson tonight is The Present of Presence. The Present of Presence. You know, the greatest gift that you can give this holiday season is your presence. It's it's impossible to love without physically or emotionally or even spiritually being present with those around you. It is, like I said, the active ingredient that makes love come alive. Love without the practice of presence. I don't know if it's love at all. And I'm saying here, this is not, you know, present, but the present of presence. I want to just zoom out and think about Jesus for a moment, because if there's anything that you pick up from reading the four gospels is that Jesus was rarely in a hurry. Jesus practiced presence everywhere he went. There's a great book that I've mentioned before in our Sunday services called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, That has been a Christmas gift that I have given many people, the hard copy back. And so if you're looking for a gift, you don't need to read it. Just take my recommendation and give it to somebody. It's a good-looking book, even if it sits on the mantle. But he says in this book about Jesus: he says, can you imagine a stressed-out Jesus snapping at Mary Magdalene after a long day? I can't believe you dropped the hummus!" Sighing and saying to himself, "I saying to himself, I seriously need a glass of wine." Can you picture him half talking to you, half texting on his iPhone? The sporadic "uh-huh" punctuating a one-sided conversation. Can you hear him say, I'm sorry, I'd love to heal your leg, but I have a plane to catch. I'm speaking at TEDx in Jerusalem tomorrow. Here's Thaddeus, an apprentice of mine nobody's ever heard of. He's happy to pray for you. I'm out. Or talk to my assistant, Judas. We'll see if he can squeeze you in. Or what magazine are you with? Oh, you say none. His eyes glaze over. Can you imagine that being your Jesus? Of course not. You imagine Jesus being there, being present, navigating a busy life without being hurried. Is that not the king that we are to follow? He is our example. And he, that is how he loved. Presence is closeness. It's nearness. It's proximity. It's being completely where you are. You know, you can be physically present, but emotionally absent. Presence is more than being in the same room. It's it's being right here with you. It's it's you being right here with me. Jesus was present everywhere he went. Jesus was there where he was. He was never too busy nor distracted. He cared. And when you were with him, he made you feel like you were the only person in the world that mattered. He made you feel seen and completely heard. His presence His presence changed people. That's the Jesus we follow. And, you know, maybe you hear this word present or presence, this idea of being fully engaged and immediately you just are like, that is exhausting. I mean, you're lucky that I'm even here. I'm even, I've graced your presence with my presence. Being emotionally engaged, that's that's wild. But somehow the busy Jesus, the busiest man alive, navigate the world loving deeply and practiced perfect presence so let's let's do this let's sit at the feet of jesus and glean a couple of insights as we go to the holiday parties with you know the the interesting uncle or the the long person you haven't seen in a long time maybe you know opportunities to connect with family members and giving in the holidays, whatever it might be. But let's figure out a way to sit at the feet of Jesus, glean some insights of how do we practice presence? How do we activate this this key component of love within us? A few insights as we talk tonight. My first thought is that presence requires preparation. It doesn't happen accidentally. Presence, if you're going to be present, you got to prepare for it. I think about in Mark chapter one, verse 35, we have the Spanish translation on there as well. Uh, It says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon, and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. This, that is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Okay, maybe you're familiar with this story. This is situated in between 48 hours, 48 hours in the life of Jesus. He works so hard the day before, works late into the night because the entire town shows up at his front door, and then wakes up the next morning before dawn. Uh, If there's any teens on the call, you might know. that looks like in a few years but they wait he wakes up early before dawn and goes out into the countryside and just prays with his god sits in solitude and then we'll talk about this later but he's rudely interrupted but then it's from there that he has the direction he has the preparation in order to navigate his day with passion with presence and with love he didn't just happen to his day he happened His day didn't just happen to him, he happened to it. I want to share a couple of thoughts with this idea of preparation that could help you as you're trying to practice presence, as you're trying to prepare your presence. The first is the idea of pray through your day. I used to live in a a brother's household in Midland Park right outside of Ridgewood. And it was the, the old Damiano's house. They moved to Florida and brothers moved in until we couldn't live there anymore. And I lived in uh, Angelo and Lisa's master bedroom. They had heated floors in their closet. I used to sleep in the closet because it was heated floors. It was amazing. Um, Crazy story. I'll spare you the details. But I remember going into my backyard. I I live with Mark Persing and a few other brothers, uh, David Ruiz. And I remember going, looking in the backyard through my kitchen window. And we were definitely in a home that we shouldn't have been able to afford. But I looked through the backyard and Mark Persing, was sitting in the backyard, son of Mark and Margaret, Persing, And he's sitting in the backyard. And he's doing this weird thing with his hands. He takes his hands like this, and then he would go like this. And he did it for 15 minutes. I mean, this is better than Netflix. I'm just watching him, I don't know, do yoga in the backyard. I mean, I knew he was praying, but it's kind of weird. I asked him later, I said, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm, I'm taking my day, and I'm just taking what's in my hand, and I'm giving it over to God. And he would do this regularly. I was like, "You are such a weirdo," but then I was like, well, "Let me try this." And I started waking up early. And one of the first things that I do, I was a, I would pray through my schedule for the day. I would pray for the meeting that I was going to have, or the hard conversation I knew I was going to have, the coworker I had at Starbucks that I knew I I, I, I didn't want to see. You know what I mean? And I started praying through my day, and it was amazing how when you don't just show up to work or you don't just show up to your kids in the living room first thing in the morning, but you've prayed and prepared yourself, it enables you to be present. There's a lot of science about the power of taking a deep breath. And uh, I share some of these thoughts with the college students and so I might be able to get away with some of the pseudoscience here. Some of you actually might be great scientists. So feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But there, with the parasympathetic nervous system and, and and part of what happens with anxiety, as, as, as your anxiety builds and grows, um, the practice of a deep breath is what it does is that it gives your anxiety something to latch on to as you breathe in and as you breathe out. I know that seems a bit strange, but as my wife and I have navigated therapy and different things, something that we've tried to practice in our life is that, hey, if I'm not going to let my anxiety take over me, I'm going to slow down. Take a deep breath. How about you do that with me real quick? Wherever you are, if you're at the gym right now trying to practice presence on the treadmill, go ahead and just take a deep breath. Breathe out. You know, I imagine Jesus breathed deeply, that he didn't have hurried breath, so he slowed down. For some of us, we might just need to wake up, take a deep breath. We might be frustrated at work or whatever it might be. Take a deep breath, practice presence, prepare yourself to be present. And lastly is to put your hand on the doorknob. Uh, Maybe you have a doorknob, maybe you have uh, uh, one of those Wi Fi locks, I don't know what it is. But every day I'll get home from work. And my wife was home Brielle, And I would, uh, sometimes I would just rush the the door. I'm ready for food. I'm ready to sit down watch TV. Uh, Not that she would cook all the time. I would cook sometimes, but I would, I'd be ready just to like, I'm ready to to take the load off and sit down and chill at 7.30 PM. But I realized that I had given all of my effort to a different ministry and neglected my first ministry, which was my wife. And so it became a practice of mine in preparation to be present with my wife was at the the end of the day, my back door, I put my hand on the doorknob and I would pray, God, help me give the best that I have to your daughter. Brothers and sisters, put your hand on the doorknob. Slow down before you enter into something. Pray, prepare yourself. You know, this is a a sub point, just something to chew on. But I love the idea that Jesus Christ practiced Sabbath. Jesus Christ practiced Sabbath one seventh of his life for 33 years. He did nothing and he rested and he practiced being, drinking good drink, eating good food and being with friends and enjoying his life. You know, sometimes there was bad days on the Sabbath. We're not going to talk about those, but Jesus genuinely slowed down so that he could prepare himself to be present in the week that followed. I don't know what that means for you, but just know that your King and your example wasn't a robot that just did seven days, 24-7 all the time, he slowed down and he prepared so that he could be present just as we need to be. My second idea that I, I gleaned from following Jesus, some of the thoughts of practicing presence, is that, here, here's a side, I've said it already, but presence takes practice. Presence is not something that is natural to our culture, certainly in the West. I mean, presence is something that is, is you, I, I, I mentioned earlier that I see a therapist and with the idea of my wife having a baby soon, it gives her nine months to grow a child. It also gives me nine months to be the best version of me that I could be for this child coming into the world. And I literally pay someone or my insurance pays someone to be present. That's how expensive presence is. But that's also what's so beautiful about the kingdom of God, is that we give our presence to one another freely and out of a deep place of love. Presence takes practice. And Jesus taught and helped give the the playground where his disciples could practice and fail and get back up and navigate presence. Some thoughts or some examples of how the Jesus, the Jesus's disciples struggled with presence. I think about how, like we just read in Mark one, they, they Hey, where is Jesus? Everybody is here. Let's go find this guy. Let's go get him. And he interrupted Jesus during his prayer time. They didn't recognize that what Jesus was doing, spending time with God, they needed to slow down and let him have his space just as they probably should have been praying themselves. Lazarus dies. And when Jesus kind of comes back from mourning Lazarus's death. The disciples, God bless them, but Jesus finds them arguing about who is the greatest. I mean, can you be present for a brother real quick and mourn with him instead? You're arguing about, hey, who's gonna who's gonna replace this guy when we're done? In Mark chapter, I think it's Mark 10. There, it's blocked on my screen. But the disciples kept the kids away from Jesus. Hey, we got busy. We got good things to do. These kids are healthy. They don't need anything from you, Jesus. Get them out of the way and let's get to the sick people. Jesus goes, slow down. Bring the kids to me. He saw the inherent value of being with the children. And in Matthew 26, of all the many examples we can look at, they were asleep in the garden. They struggled with this. They struggled being present. But what I love about Jesus is in every interaction, he doesn't rebuke them he doesn't yell at them you don't imagine you know a, a coach in the locker room being intense with him. he's he's gracious you know he, he hey bring bring the kids to me are, are you guys still sleeping rise let us go here comes my betrayer um all right you know they, they interrupt his prayer time he he lets them get up and he gets up and he goes with them and i think what's interesting is that jesus he allowed them and recognized that if they were gonna be present people like him wherever they were, it was gonna take a lot of practice. It was gonna take failing, it was gonna take giving it shots and trying different things out. And presence requires practice. I wanna give you a thought here. Seth Mitchell, a good friend of mine, uh in, in our Young Marrieds Ministry. Uh, him and Kerrigan are incredible. They live in Bloomfield. Their social security number is, I'm just kidding. I don't know why I kept talking there. But uh, Seth shared with me something a few few months ago, and I, I really appreciate it. He said, you know, sometimes when I go to church, I, I, I'm just trying to, what's the one thing that I'm, I'm looking to hear? What, what's the one thing I could take home and put into practice? And that's helped me a lot as I go to different services and midweeks, all these different, what's the one thing that I can hear? And I want to give you one thing. I want to give you a, an idea here of, pull one thing from this next list and give it a shot. Practice it. Take it into the playground. Take it into the arena. Give it a couple of shots. Figure out if this is going to help you be more present. Practicing presence. You know, for uh, those of you who do not have a flip phone, I was so impressed to hear that Dorothy has an iPad. Dorothy, you are incredible. But for those of you who don't have a flip phone, you don't have to worry about this. But for many of us, our phones have do not disturb on our phones. I don't know if you've use that feature recently, but it's the feature that turns off all notifications. Your phone essentially becomes a brick until you flip it over over and look at the notifications. But if you want to practice presence, maybe it's taking the phone, not putting it in the room, or putting on do not disturb during a family meal or during a meal with friends. You know, turning your phone off or making it a dumb phone for a little bit that when you're with people or with friends or Dare I say, at church on Sunday, (laughs) you're really attempting to be present where you are, turning your phone into do not disturb. You know, this is silly. And uh, if I'm talking to college students, maybe this is more relevant. But I think this is a helpful reminder is that if you're going to be present, you got to practice eye contact. Many of you know Jim Brown. I, I, man, Jim Brown has the pure, most piercing blue eyes. And if you ever talked to Jim Brown, he used to lead our church in Westchester. But when you talked to Jim Brown, it, it felt like he, was, he had some way of looking through my eyes into the back of my brain. I felt like it was portrait mode. Everything else blurred out. And I was the only person in the world that mattered in front of him. And I love that spirit. And I, I feel like that really captures presence. And that's what I imagined Jesus would be. Eyes locked, seeing you. And if it's just, this is, a, this is more than just some, you know, cutesy philosophy. Jesus practiced eye contact. Jesus saw the crowds. When it came to the rich young ruler, he looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. He, he said to the bleeding woman, who touched me? I, I need to see her. Who, who touched me? The woman with the alabaster jar, he told the whole crowd, look at this woman. When the rooster crowed, Peter locked eyes with Jesus and it was part of his presence that I believe changed Peter's life. life, you know, looking at others, really practicing. For some of us, there, there are, are physical limitations to eye contact. I understand that. And, you know, do the best with what you can. If you can't do that, I understand. But for others, I think there's, there's a place where we got to practice being there with one another not looking over the shoulder and just being eyes to eyes, being locked in with one another. And last thought here, practicing presence is a with the disturbance. Jesus did this all the time. They're going somewhere and somebody pops in his whole thrown throughout the window and they're just doing something else. You know, the other day uh, I was getting ready for my day. I had planned out my whole day. I prayed through all the elements of my day. I'm ready to just like go and get it. And, uh, Brielle starts talking to me. My wife, my wife starts talking to me, and then she keeps talking to me. And I'm like, man, I'm supposed to have my time with God right now. And she keeps talking to me. And I'm I'm literally writing this lesson about rolling with the disturbances and these different thoughts. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna let this one go. I'm just gonna love my wife and be here right now. And funny enough, um, we had a good, great conversation. And then my first appointment for the day canceled. I was like, oh, oh, okay, <laughs> now. I understand that it might be an extreme example, but I think it was very natural for Jesus. When somebody came in and interrupted, they didn't just always shut it down and move on to the next thing. A roommate comes into your room and talk to me. What's what's going on? You know, a coworker comes to your desk. OK, wh- wh- hold on. What t- talk to me. Let, let's have a conversation. You know, if something happens inside of you, whatever it is, you see an opportunity to serve Rolling with the disturbance, being in the moment, not being so rigid with our schedule that we're unable to be where we're at, where we are in that moment. Practice presence. Try one of those this week. I'm going to be trying eye contact. I'm going to do the Jim Brown eye piercing thing. And if you feel uncomfortable at church on Sunday, please come and talk to me, or uh, or don't. That's fine. <laughs> My last thought: you don't have to be present to be present. You don't have to be present to be present. Paul wrote 13 letters to the churches um, all across the New Testament. I, I started doing some some math there and I said, okay, well, how many words are in those 13 letters and how many pages in a typical college 12 point font times new Roman doubled space. How, how, okay. So how many words did, did Paul write? And it turns out that if you were to take Paul's writings his letters, and turn them into pages, a college essay, it would be 106 pages long. He wrote 106 pages worth of information to his disciples, and he just, he was in jail, and he was writing, he was thinking about his friends, and he was writing. I'm just going to say, what happened to the stamp? Man, there's nothing more encouraging than receiving in the mail, not junk mail, not Comcast reaching out to you or not you know, somebody giving you a Valspar, here's your discounts on your tires. But instead somebody just go, I'm thinking about you today. Here's 61 cents and some paper. I'm thinking about you. That's the price of a stamp or 51. I don't know, I don't send stamps. I need to send letters more. But being present by sending letters, thinking about one another, giving each other some love. Many of you are gonna be sending holiday cards this year. What if you took an extra couple of minutes and wrote a nice note on the back for that person? I'm thinking about you. I'm, I'm going to say it. I think Jesus would have done that. I think Paul would have done that. In Colossians 2, 5, he says, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how, firmed your fa- how firm your faith in Christ is. He goes, Hey, I'm absent from you in the Bible, but I'm present with you in spirit. I think about you in first Thessalonians, chapter three, verse 10, night and day. We pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Night and day. I'm thinking about you. Night and day. I'm praying for you. You know, some, some practicals here of being present, even when you're not present, picking up the phone and calling. This is a problem with our college students. I said to one of our guys recently, why don't you just call them real quick and see what's going on? It's like, Matt, nobody calls each other any day anymore. I'm like, repent, go call somebody. I mean, we have this technology. I was in a Bible study yesterday and I I was asking him what he can do to be more like Jesus. He's like, you know, if Jesus lived where I was, he'd probably use his phone to call people. I'm like, go ahead, Aaron, you freshman from NJIT. You're smart. That's good. I think if we're going to practice being present, even when we're not present, what about on the ride home? I have to work on this. I love podcasts. I love music. But what if on the ride home, every once in a while, I just gave a phone call, checking in, no agenda, thinking about you. Practicing presence, even when you're not present. I talked about the stamp, but I think one of the big things here in being present when you're not present is praying for that person. Most importantly, is praying. Pray, 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 pray. Our, our greatest commodity, our greatest resource is our time. It's more valuable than our money. And when you allocate your resources of time and prayer, well, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can be present by not being present by praying for those around you, setting up a quick prayer. You know, I, I, I'm trying to get better at this. And there's a few people, I'm sure, on this call who are prayer warriors. And it's uh, it's it's ridiculous when someone like Miss Vicky comes up to me and I've been praying for you, I'm thinking about you. I'm like, my goodness, thank you so much. Your presence is your active ingredient for your love. In conclusion here, your presence is palpable. You can feel it. When you are present, your presence is powerful. Presence is the foundation of love. Let's be people through this holiday season don't just rush through it let's get through this thing. January is coming praise God we'll get there no let's let's slow down and let's practice being present. let's imitate Jesus in his example somebody who is there where he was not waiting for the next moment but in the moment where he was let's love let's let let's be people who practice presence and live present lives regardless of where we are. We're going to pray together. And then we're going to close out with one last song. Thank you so much for inviting me to to uh, to encourage you guys this this evening. I am, I'm so refreshed by the Garden State Church, by your examples, by your love, and uh, I really can't wait to see you guys in person. I've been appreciating our Sunday services all together. I'm looking forward to being together on the uh, the 17th. Sam Powell comes and preaches. It's going to be a great time. But Merry Christmas, everybody. Love you guys. Let's pray. And then we're going to close out with one last song. Uh, our Father in Heaven. It is uh, every fiber of our being (laughs) uh, struggles with being present. And I'm encouraged by the heroes in this call who presence is just easy. I think about Margie Mitchell. I just think she is just so present and she's so good at that. But Lord, help us really imitate your son's example of his presence, the power that was in his presence. Lord, help us not be too busy to slow down and be with those around us, to really love God, I even pray that as we're at different holiday parties with coworkers, with friends, especially with family, that you open doors to our practice of presence, that we have conversations with family members that we typically wouldn't have had conversations with, that open doors to them becoming Christians and followers of you one day. We pray that you bless our practice of presence. Um, we We are reminded that love never fails. Father, I pray for all our brothers and sisters. I pray for all those who are on their journey to know you better. We pray for breakthroughs. We pray for um, all that you are doing. We love you and your sons and you pray. Amen.